and welcome to That Park Life Podcast. I am Greg, joined as always by... And I'm Beth, hanging out. Hanging out. We are yeah, officially... We're, just, we're here. ...in our third year. So we hit our second year season anniversary. Three. Season, season three. Season three. Season three is going to see Hopefully some big things. Hopefully this is when we continue to get better and not just drop off as, as yeah. terrible. Yeah, you know what? I think we're done trying. You know what? Let's just let's just phone it in. You know, yeah, we're just doing what we're doing. Actually, we are using some new technology. We're trying out some new things. So we're hoping to make our sound a little bit better for you guys. So we're moving up in the world, actually, in my opinion. Hopefully you won't hear any internet glitches because we're not relying on the internet for when we record, which is a big step up. And yep. a big shout out to our patrons who make these kinds of upgrades possible. So not only mm-hmm. are they getting some uh, bonus episodes from us, which we just recorded right before this, but because of what they do for us, we get to upgrade our equipment and our stuff. Hopefully we're sounding good. We're going to be recording yeah. some video starting soon. Don't know who wants to see that video, but we're going to record some Don't stuff. Don't know anyone who wants to see this mean mug, but you know, whatever. Got to start wearing wigs. So, um, yep, a happy anniversary to us. We're officially in our third season. I can't happy believe it's already been two years. It's oh crazy. God. Hey, had a great time at Trivia the other night, by the way. Oh, yes. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to, to think about mentioning that, yes, we had our Disney Trivia night. We had our two winners and our raffle winner. And it, it flew by. I feel like it went by so quickly. Yeah. I feel like um, some of the feedback I got was that some people learned some things, which is great with a trivia thing. I think it's cool to be able to walk away having gained some disney knowledge and i'm sure we'll do it again in the future super fun lots of fun prizes um so what have you been up to have you been to the parks like what else has been going on over there those of you who follow us on instagram saw that i was doing some hands-on research at the polynesian um at, at the day of this yeah. recording it was yesterday <laughs> so it was sunday and i'm happy to talk about some of the things i did while i was there because i had a meal for the first time in a little while there i'm happy to talk mm-hmm. about that um but we got some park stuff coming up very excited about it. Yes, we're talking today about the Polynesian. I feel like we need to have some uh, like Hawaiian music in the background while we're doing that. You know that I got some Hawaiian music. Okay, um, good. Okay, good. I will share that the response for our first Disney Resort Rundown episode was really positive. People really seem to like us talking about resorts. Um, and the contemporary one was one of our more popular episodes in the past like six months or so. So I guess people really wanted to hear about it. And of course it was mm-hmm. the beginning of a series. So today is, uh, the second in this series and we're going in order of when the resorts opened up in history. Uh, technically the Polynesian opened up the same time as the contemporary, but it had like a lot yeah. less fanfare, which we'll talk about. Uh, but I'm excited yeah. to talk all about the Polynesian today. So maybe to set the mood since you requested it, of course I have Mm -hmm. some sound. If you're wondering about the type of sights and sounds you'll hear, of course I have a little background music of what you might hear when you're lounging on the, uh, maybe on the, on the beach and a Mm -hmm. little swing they have out there. Um, here's just a little bit of how like a really old commercial was, uh, describing the Polynesian. And here, even a hotel is an adventure. Polynesian village, there is a leisurely atmosphere of the South Seas and trade winds. The great ceremonial house dominates the scene in a setting that is lushly tropical. And for each guest, there is a feeling of coming to a tiny island in the South Pacific to stay and play. That guy was a little monotone in describing the Polynesian, but it is a really exciting resort with lots of fun stuff. It did. It sounded very 70s, so that's okay. So if you want to want to kick, kick it off here and talk about some uh, some history and stuff about the Polynesian. Yeah. Also want to make sure, Greg, while I'm talking about this, that you're looking at some of these photos that I put in here because there's um, some good pictures of like just 70s glory of the Polynesian. 
as we normally do, we're going to talk about, we'll first start with what Disney says about it. So Disney says, celebrate the spirit of the South Pacific at this oasis of tropical palms, lush vegetation, and so much more from moonlit nights immersed in the outdoor island ambiance to the exotic tastes of our world-class restaurants. Discover the signature tropical atmosphere that's made Disney's Polynesian Village Resort a favorite Disney destination since 1971. I got through it. Um, so in 1969, Disney announced that they were doing five themed resorts for the project's first phase, which was Walt Disney World, obviously. Two of them opened on October 1st, 1971, and obviously we know them today as the Disney's Polynesian Village Resort and, of course, the Contemporary Resort, which we talked about um, before. So an early concept for the Polynesian Resort featured a 12-story tower, a bold design that might have looked more at home among the luxury hotels on Honolulu's Waikiki Beach. Uh, but by about 1970, the site plan had evolved to a more architecturally authentic village layout. Um, which is basically what we know today. So the construction began in the February of 1971, which if you think about that with date wise, less than eight months before the first guests were scheduled to arrive. So this like, when you think about how long it takes them to build things, they had about eight months, which is crazy to me. So uh, since it's opening, the resort has seen three major expansions. So we'll talk kind of a little bit about these. The first was in 1978 with the addition of a longhouse, the Tangoroa Terrace, is that how you say it? Tangoroa? Sure. Uh, restaurants slash support facility, and then a secondary pool. A second expansion took place in 1985 with the construction of two additional longhouses. And then also in 1980, 1985, which is an amazing year, right, Greg? Uh, the resort adopted the shortened named to Disney's Polynesian Resort. Then on May 2nd, 2014, it was announced that the resort would revert to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort title while they basically expanded it to include Disney Vacation Club, Club accommodations. And then they did some enhancements to the resort's amenities as well. Um, on April 1st, 2015, the third expansion officially opened, which was the new DVC edition, which I'm sure you'll talk about, Greg. Um, and then I just added a note in here that obviously for 2020, it's shut down right now, or 2021, it's closed right now for refurb. They closed it in 2020. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on right now that we don't really have a ton of details on. Or Greg might have some, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, the information they released was that the rooms are being now inspired by Moana, including the color palettes okay. seen from the animated feature and a refurbishment of the lobby. And the, the whole monorail station's missing. It's just gone. I don't yeah, know if you saw my like story over the weekend. Yeah, it's just, it's just empty. So a lot's, a lot's happening over there. So I'll talk a little bit about the construction. It's designed by Wed Enterprises, which obviously is now Walt Disney Imagineering, the California architectural firm of Welton, Beckett & Associates, and then the United States Steel Corp. And it was built kind of the same as the contemporary. So it was in, using the unique process called unitized modular constructions. This was where we talked about how they would like make it, make the room somewhere else, and then they would bring it in and basically like put it in place. There are 11 types of rooms. The resort is organized around a central building named the Great Ceremonial House, which we heard we heard him like refer to it in the recording you just played a little bit ago. But it, the Great Ceremonial House was designed after a Tahitian Royal Assembly Lodge. So it basically houses guest services and most of the resort's dining and merchandise locations. So that's like the main area that we all, we've, you know, if you've been to the Polynesian, that's typically where you've probably been is the Great Ceremonial House. From its opening until 2014, it also featured an expansive tropical waterfall feature in its atrium with over 75 species of plant life. Uh, the waterfall and foliage were removed, though, and replaced because apparently they had, like, health and safety concerns. 
So they kind of had, so the lobby has changed from them. So before it had a ton of vegetation. I don't know what, like what the concerns, maybe it was like mold or something. I think you can see some of that in the pictures that I have posted in here and hopefully we'll post on our Instagram. So no rooms are contained in the main building. So the ceremonial house doesn't have rooms. Instead, there are several lodges and longhouses and then water bungalows or the other thing. Those were all added later. Um, but that's all spread out amongst the property. So uh, the resort design and layout consists of 11, two and three story longhouses spread throughout the property. It is um, originally opened with 484 guest rooms and eight longhouses. And I'll tell you the names of those. It was Bali High, Bora Bora, Fiji, Hawaii, Maui, Samoa, Tahiti, and Tonga. Those were the names of the longhouses. Which, so I'm assuming when you, like, when you get checked in, they tell you, like, what house you're in and then, like, what your room number is. I'm sure when they give you the map, if you actually go to the front desk, because now it's expected for you to not, right? right. You, at this point, we're skipping the front right. desk. But I'm sure it'll tell you what section you're in. Um, so those are like the original names. And then October 28th of 1999, most of the resort longhouses were renamed. So now, so today this is the longhouses are named for islands on the Polynesian Isle map with chosen longhouse names matching the relative geographic position of their namesake island. So 10 of the 11 longhouses, excluding Fiji, were renamed. If you look at this on a map, it's supposed to be the same as what their islands like are in relation to each other. I think it's cool. It getting... makes it a little bit more yeah. authentic. Did you know Did you... that part of the refurbishment now um, includes adding two more longhouses based after some lesser-known Hawaiian islands? One of which oh. is the Kamanamonopokia, and the other one, <laughs> the other one is. Uh, let me just double check. Yes, it is the uh, uh, Pikapipi is the other island that they're going to. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. All right. So then, all right, between 2013 and 2015, 20 of the DVC bungalows were then constructed and added. And that area was named Bora Bora. So that's where like the longhouses come in. I think that's like Doug's bucket list is to stay out and stay in one of those. Two of the current longhouses, Hawaii, formerly Tonga, and Tonga, formerly Bali High, offer a concierge lounge where refreshments, views, and lounge space are offered exclu exclusively to guests of Hawaii or Tonga. And then I thought this was cool. As of 2008, Disney's Polynesian Village Resort became a certified green lodging property with the state of Florida. Um, one thing I, um, I have heard about with the Polynesian when it first opened was it was, you know, there wasn't mm -hmm. a lot going on at the whole Walt Disney World Resort as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it was just Magic Kingdom, Contemporary, and Polynesian. So they were trying to go for the all-inclusive experience. And part of that was to really, like, ramp up what you're able to do on the lake there, Seven Seas Lagoon. And one of those things, and, and I'm sure we're going to post some photos. There's a lot of like sailboats and stuff I noticed. And all like all these old videos and photos I'm looking at, I they're know. like, they're out there like cruising on these little mini sailboats. I don't know what they're called, but like little sailboats. Yeah. But um, they had installed a surf machine to be able to create waves big enough to mm -hmm. um, allow people to surf. Like, I think it was in our first season that you had brought this up about the lagoon. Because like a lot of that stuff is still down there, but it's just not being used. But it's crazy because when you think, when you see that the technology of how they do that, you're like, that is crazy. Because I've seen how they do it, um, like with like whitewater rafting and stuff, where they use these like pillows basically, like of air, and how they like deflate and inflate, and that's how it creates like all these weight. It's crazy. They they actually turned it off for a couple of reasons, but one one re reason was that the waves were actually too harsh for the man-made beach that it was eroding it. So like the yeah, ocean does to sense. our actual shores, it was eroding the shores of the Polynesian beach. And I don't know if maybe there was not enough general interest in it or not, but it just wasn't successful yeah. overall. So they shut it down. 
and they say that it had sat there to rot for a long time, although I've heard some stories about how most of the equipment was taken out. I, I don't know either way. They don't really drain the, the Seven Seas Lagoon. Right. Obviously, it's a man-made thing. Weird. They could if they wanted to. That'd be but... crazy. Um, so that's kind of it as far as like the main resort. I do want to mention a couple of notable events. I did mention in here the grand opening ceremony because I thought this was kind of like who the people who were there. I'm like, well, that's like a big deal. Um, obviously, it was on the beach there on October 24th of 1971. Um, Bob Hope did the dedication dedication speech, which was who did the speech for the contemporary. Uh, Lucille Ball and Fred McMurray, which was the governor of Florida at the time. And and then the Disney family. Like, if you just think about this, you're like, the Disney family was there. Like, that's a big deal now thinking about it. And it Lucille is. Ball. I was like, well, the, the frustrating like thing, crazy. the frustrating thing for Lucille Ball was no matter how many times she asked, they would not let her be in the spirit of Aloha show. She just kept asking, why can't I be in the show? It's a nice I Love Lucy joke. Maybe you've never, have you never seen I Love Lucy? <laughs> I have, but I don't remember what that's from. Like the, I don't remember the episode. The whole premise of like of. the show was that repeatedly she would ask to be a part of her husband Ricky's like oh stuff. Anyway, who cares? Listen, you're, <laughs> you're I know you're all here for your fifties sitcom people, jokes. Listen, some people got that joke, and I'm loving that. Okay, good. And good, I just want to point out that we're the same age, so it's not like I'm younger and I don't know. <laughs> you didn't watch it on Nick and Knight? Um, not as much. I mean, I yeah, no. Okay, I'm just big nerd. Fine. I get, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Sorry. Um, so I thought the grand opening was kind of a cool deal, but we've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, this is the Polynesian Resort on December 29th of 1974, which uh, was where John Lennon signed the paperwork that officially broke up the Beatles. Um, and obviously, you know who was there. You know who. She who shall not be named. She who shall not be we named. We talked about this on our um, uh, Walt Disney World Facts. True or false? Time. Yeah. We were kind of talking yes, about whether whether like rumors or not were really true, and, and that was when that was true. You know, maybe then he went to the park after that. I don't know. I don't know. He went. It's a small world right after that. It's a sad day in history. Yeah, and then these photos that we're gonna post. I mean, it's just 70s and all square. It's crazy to just to look back and see. It's wild to to look and see that there's nothing there, right? Like there was nothing on this land before Disney. Like if you just think about that, it was a flat plain of dirt. Like, obviously, there were trees and stuff, but it's just crazy to think about, like, this was what put all of this area on the map. Um, let's talk Florida. more about the resort in terms of its category. So it's a deluxe mm-hmm. resort, the Disney Vacation Club accommodations, which we'll talk about when we get to when it opened and, and the order of things. Those are technically deluxe villa, but the Polynesian Village Resort is a deluxe resort. The prices of the rooms range from $549 in the cheapest season on a weeknight all the way up to $4,557 on a weekend on probably New Year's Eve is probably when you're going to find that. Ballin! Just like you mentioned, there are, depending on where you look, 10 or 11 types of rooms. And some of these yeah. kind of like repeat themselves. Like we talked about in the contemporary, it'll be one style room, but there's like three or four different views for it. So like the standard right. room in the Polynesian is one that sleeps five. It's 404 square feet. So like it's as far as hotel rooms go, it's it's pretty decent. Um, you know, generally speaking, the older the resort is, typically the bigger the room is because it's like before they realize they can just jam everyone mm-hmm. in a small space and people would still pay. So this standard room has different views. A standard view um, is one of them. You can get a pool view, a marina view, a lagoon view, and a theme park view. Those are all still considered standard. Um, one up from that is the honeymoon room. So it is officially mm-hmm. called that. It's not like an unofficial thing where, you know, you could stay in this room if you're on your honeymoon, but it is called the honeymoon room. It's club level. And right now club level is on a pause. The concierge service isn't open, but 
I'm sure that will reopen in the future. It sleeps only two with just a king bed as an option. So that's a little bow chicka wow wow for you. They are expecting you to just <laughs> be in the same space the whole time. Yeah. And the room is 386 square feet. So they, they chop out a little bit of the room just really just to make make sure and force you guys together. Right. Um, at the cheapest, the cheapest season, the honeymoon room is $949 plus tax. Uh, one up from that is the one bedroom suite at 760 square feet. Now we're talking, you know, now we're like, yeah, yeah you can finally <laughs> spread out a little bit. You can put your feet up somewhere that sleeps five. And now we're talking the baller rooms here. The ambassador vice president suite is a little over 1500 square feet, sleeps up to eight. And the price range here is anywhere from 2200 to $3,600 plus tax per night. And that's for two people. When you add additional guests, it's in uh, I think it's thirty-five dollars uh, per person per night, additional after two. Um, so it's going to add up. Um, the biggest room here is the King Kamehameha Suite. Okay, I actually looked up how to pronounce it because Kamehameha. I was like Kamehameha, but it's Kamehameha. Uh, it is eighteen hundred sixty-three square feet. Seems up to eight, like the last one. Both the vice president and this one, the presidential suite, are considered club level, so you have access to it. It has two levels though, so this one's cool. It has an up, an upper and a lower floor. It faces oh. the marina. I have seen these rooms from afar. If you walk by the marina, it's like starting the walkway to the uh, Grand Floridian Resort. And every now and then, people or maybe the housekeeping while they're in there will leave the shades open. So you better believe I'm literally standing there mm, basically yeah. with binoculars. It's like, guys, is this the presidential suite? The Kamehameha suite? And sure enough, I'm literally standing there until someone sees me. I'm like, oh, sorry, whoops. So depending on the season, it ranges from 2900 to the full 4557 that I talked about as far as the man. range for the resort goes. So, man almost five grand a night if you have you know the full eight people that's pretty much right. christmas and new year's week that's that's when you find the really expensive pricing i'm curious like how how many like how many nights out of a year are those rooms vacant yeah that's what i want to know that's what i want to know too so upgrade me man put me in there i want to pay the cheapest possible rate for the standard standard view and put mm -hmm. me in the king kamehameha suite please i don't yeah. think that's asking a lot no it's not there um, are plenty of places to eat at the Polynesian, um, not including room service. Technically right now, dining or in-room in dining is considered paused across all resorts mm -hmm. at Walt Disney World, which is a bummer because the Polynesian Village Resort happens to have a really awesome option for in-room dining, and that is Ohana. You can get the Ohana meal delivered mm. straight to your door. And most people have said that I've talked to and heard from that like an order for one essentially feeds two because in the restaurant, it's an all you care to enjoy experience. Yep. And then in the room, it's not. So they give you a ton of food to be able to split or to have to, you know, have multiple helpings, let's say. So I would just get the one if you're there as a couple. Yeah. Anyway, um, of course, Ohana is maybe the most popular restaurant at Polynesian. At least it is in this room yeah, anyway, okay. because we love it. Yeah, it is. But it is closed. So rip for a little while when that thing is closed. Uh, right next door. On I don't the second mind level. that it's closed because it's just another incentive for me to not go there right now. Yes. Well, <laughs> like I'm like, it's okay that I'm not there because Ohana is closed. So exactly. I'm yes. okay. That's, <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> so um, right next door on the second level in the main lobby, there is Kona Cafe. And they have similar cuisine, right? That like Southeast Asian yeah. Um, I've actually never cuisine. eaten at um, Kona, but oh. I've seen enough people that have eaten that where you get the Tonga toast. Yeah, I'll talk about that because I've, I've definitely okay. have eaten multiple meals there. Right next to Ohana as well is the Tambu Lounge. 
and it serves similar food that you'd find at Kona and Ohana. I mean, they probably share the same kitchen because it comes right from right there, so wings and stuff. Um, they're also really known there at the Tambu Lounge for their drinks, like the back scratcher, which I've never had, but I will mm-hmm. take someone's spare back scratcher. You know how I like it. I've actually had the back scratcher. Oh, and it's good. Yeah, it's for delicious. lots of things. I mean, their drinks are amazing. Although I'm not willing to pay like $30 just for them to cut open a whole pineapple to put my drink in it. There's one that's like really expensive. And I'm like, the only thing that's different is the fact that they cut open. a pi- It's like a pineapple glass. You do it for the gram, basically. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, on the first floor is Captain Cook's, which I always want to call Captain Hook's because of, you know, Peter Pan. I know, me too. Captain Cook's is their quick service restaurant, so they have breakfast, lunch, and I'm like, they had there. to know what they were doing, right, when they named it. I'm it's like, you, this is Disney. You know everyone's going to be thinking Captain Hook's. Yes. But, alas, here we are. Yeah. Um, if you go past Captain Cook's, you'll get to Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, which is the indoor one, and then outside... There is the Tiki Terrace, Trader Sam's Tiki Terrace. In thinking about this, I, I knew that I hadn't ever really had anything in Trader Sam's. But in talking to my wife, Nicole, about it, turns out I've eaten at the Tiki Terrace before. I don't, I don't remember it. I remember being there, but I don't remember having a small dish. It's really like a small plate thing. Um, but since I haven't had any real experience at Trader Sam's Grotto, and I know so many people who did, including some people we've had on before, Jen, uh, yeah. Jen Drennan at Adventures by Disney. It's like one of her go-to places for drinks. I mean, it's awesome in there from what I hear. And Paul, who we did the Disney drinks that are worth it, talks a lot about it. So I figured I would post yes. it to our Instagram and hear what some of you all have to say. Um, among the people that re- replied to our story on Instagram uh, was, of course, Jen, who recommends the Tropical Dark and Stormy. And she sent me a photo of it because it's a great example of what they do there. And what they do there is theming. Mm. They're all about it, right? Like this, if nothing else, the impression I get is even if you don't like the drinks, which I feel like you would, or even the small plates there, that you're there for the environment. And she sent me the photo of the tropical dark and stormy. It's tropical because it has an umbrella in it, but it's stormy. And the way that you know what it is, is the umbrella is blown out. It's inside out because the storm had come through. So it's like, I know it's a small detail, but like, that's the level that we're at here. Um, At Brit Crook. And many others, Kelly, who we've had on our show before, too, recommend the Uh-Oh-A drink, which just sounds cool. The Uh-Oh-A. Uh-Oh-A. Sam at DVC Millennial and Paint the Town Ted, which is my new favorite Instagram handle. <laughs> they both love the Nautilus. So, like, I know all these drinks just okay. sound so cool. And John, yeah. who, who we've had on before, um, he's at John underscore Meets World. Uh, he and his wife Peyton were on our cast member chat. Um, a couple, a little while ago now, back, I guess, last year at this point, he let us know that one of the jokes that he and the uh, skippers from Jungle Cruise made up actually wound up into the bar. So I have to figure out what joke it is he's talking about. I guess it's a joke they must say to you when you say a certain thing yeah, or whatever. So I'm kind of cool. curious. So it's cool that they're kind of like in on that kind of corny yeah. joke kind of thing that the skippers are, are into. Yeah. Over at uh, Jungle Cruise. So that makes me excited to go there and actually try it out. The last thing I'll mention as far as places to get food, um, and I'm not going to mention it because you kind of know, like all the pools um, typically at resorts, you know, across Disney World have like a, a walk-up kind of a bar situation or really mm-hmm. small plate things. Or they'll have a fryer, which means they can do fries and chicken tenders. Right. But it's kind of standard across, but I'm just trying to highlight the things that are actually a little bit more specialized and have mm-hmm. maybe better food. The last thing I'll talk about is the pineapple lanai because it is your place to get a dole whip not in Aloha Isle over at Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom. And pro tip, they do still have the vanilla soft serve here. That's something they took off the menu at the Aloha Isle in Magic Kingdom in Adventureland. So someone like yeah. my wife, Nicole, who likes a dole whip float but doesn't like pineapple juice plus pineapple ice cream a little too much, right. get the vanilla ice cream with the pineapple uh, juice that's what we like to get yeah get the floats with the vanilla ice cream and it's so good 
Yes, and it is great. There are three shops, technically three retail locations uh, at the resort. The boutique on the main floor, that's like your classic Disney gift shop. And then up mm -hmm. on the second floor is the Moana Mercantile. That is um, a place that also has some merchandise, but has like the convenience store kind of style packaged foods that you could keep, take back to your room, keep in your fridge, or if you're in one of the villas, you know, heat up in your microwave or whatnot. And then just like we mentioned at Contemporary, a lot of the resorts have the caricature connection, which technically is a place to purchase something. It's not Disney owned and operated, but the artist there will do a caricature of you. I can pay your money and walk away with a big giant cartoon version of yourself. Yeah. You know, where they accentuate they accentuate things that you didn't really realize were, like, that accentuated, and then you leave and you're, like, super self-conscious about it. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I didn't know I had really big teeth or, like, huge nostrils, but I do now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they would accentuate my forehead. It would just, I would not have, like, a nose or a mouth. It would just be forehead. It would be ginormous. Those could go one of two ways, right? They either, it's like, oh, that's so cool, or you're like, oh, wow, now I feel terrible about myself. Thanks, Disney. I guess I was wrong all along, missing out. I could be projecting movies onto my forehead all this whole time. Yeah. Um, transportation options include buses, monorail, and boats. Of course, the boats don't take you everywhere. It just takes you to, to the Magic Kingdom and uh, Grand Floridian by way of Magic Kingdom. There is lots of recreation to be had here at Disney Polynesian Village Resort. Of course, the marina is right there, which means you got some boat rentals. Uh, with that comes some firework cruises. Again, on a pause right now, I believe. Um, one, there are no mm -hmm. fireworks, and two, those types of things I believe aren't currently happening. There is a running trail that includes the walkway to the Grand Floridian, and I know sometimes when we talk about running trails, I'm sure there are people listening like, I don't go on vacation to run, but I know a lot of people do, and yeah. and I've been there too where I was in on my running, and I was running. If you're into running or exercising or going for walks, it is cool to be able to do it at a resort or Disney stuff, because like I've yeah. walked around the Crescent Lake, you know, the Boardwalk Beach Club thing, like I, I, that was included as part of my running while I was there. Or running around the Port Orleans resorts, like it's actually kind of cool. So if you're into that, um, make sure you do that while you're there at the Polynesian. The lava pool, the main feature pool of the resort, uh, obviously features like a big volcano that is said to look like one that could possibly produce some lava. It includes a slide that is 142 feet long. That's a pretty decent water slide. Yeah. And it's got the kids' splash area there as well. There are some beaches. There is a volleyball court and your other typical resort stuff. I do want to talk about some state tips and some personal experiences that I've had yeah. here at yeah, the I'd resort. Yeah, I'd love to give you my personal faves from the Polynesian as well. Well, so. yeah. Well, you know what? Um, let's start with, with what you've got on your mind then for the Polynesian. I've never stayed there, but Ohana is a must for us. Like we, That's probably one of the first reservations we look for is Ohana. Um, it's, I mean, it's a little bit more expensive, but it, you get your money's worth which is like really important to us when it comes to how much food we're getting um, and just the options they have there. I mean, the food is phenomenal. Like the food is good. The dessert is great. There's a little bit of entertainment involved. Like I just, we love the atmosphere. So that's our favorite there. And I have gotten some drinks at Tambu Lounge before. So I highly recommend that if you're waiting around. I've also walked over to the, uh, what's the little co uh, coffee place there? Like Kona. Oh, the Kona it's coffee. Kona, it's but... it's basically attached yeah. to, to the Kona cafe. It's right next yeah. door. Yeah. It's, it's like right a on little the same side thing. I've yeah. gotten some coffee there before and that was good. So if like, if you just want some coffee, you can get some espresso over there and some other like little things to nosh on. Captain Cook's is my favorite when it comes to like a quick service jumping over there because their pulled pork nachos are incredible. So I highly recommend the, the pulled pork nachos over there. And then like, obviously if 
you know, drinking is your thing. You like some cocktails. Uh, Trader Sam's is just a really cool atmosphere. And the whole experience is, I would say, I mean, even after being at Oga's Cantina, like, I still think Trader Sam's is a cooler atmosphere and, like, cooler experience. It's just not as crazy and it's more relaxed. I mean, it can be hard to get in sometimes depending on what's going on, but I just like the stuff over there. So I know you rave about the pulled pork nachos and I almost got those when I was there yesterday, but I decided not to because I was eyeing up the Thai coconut meatballs. I don't know if you've ever had them. Have you had them there? Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. are delicious. I didn't, so I don't really know what to expect when I hear Thai coconut because to be honest, I don't really like coconut things. I I don't, I don't even know what I was eating to be honest with you. So they were beef meatballs, (laughs) which is fine. And then the sauce, I guess, was the coconut part. Excellent. Like, the, it was, it was yeah, a pretty healthy portion. Yeah, I think it's like a coconut, portion. like, cream type yes. sauce or whatever oh that they put over it. I actually can't wait. I feel wait. like maybe Doug has gotten those before Ooh. and I tasted them. I don't know. And the yeah. reason why I'm, like, so oh, my God about it is they're quick service, right? So I feel like you kind of know what you're getting into sometimes when you're at a resort quick service restaurant as opposed to a table service. And quick service can be really hit or miss. And I think Captain Cook's is mostly a hit for things. Um, I do want to mention that I don't think it's really expensive at Captain Cook's either. So with no, the no. pulled pork nachos that I know you love so much, and a lot of people always tell me about that, the pulled pork nachos are currently nine forty nine plus tax. Yeah. I feel like under 10 bucks is a pretty good price for yeah. a Disney quick service meal. And then it's the same price for the coconut meatballs, nine forty nine. It's three pretty decently sized meatballs and a ton of white rice. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just really excellent. And I'm really glad I went there because... It had been a while since I've been to Captain Cook's for a quick service. I mean, we stayed at the Polynesian years ago, um, yeah. and that was maybe the last time I had their quick service breakfast, but I had never really had their... Well, actually, one other time I had the quick service for dinner, I was there with Andre at Thrills of Magic, when mm-hmm. um, that was the first time I was on a vlog where I mentioned nipples. So here we go. Our, we have to erase <laughs> our board that says it's been X number of days since our last time Greg said the word nipples. <laughs> Sorry, Andre. And I think I think I had the pulled pork sandwich, and I remember liking it. It's a little fuzzy in my memory, but for sure the uh, the meatballs there are excellent. Um, meatballs. I will say, the breakfast there, I don't know, that's like pretty standard. The menu there is similar to Kona in that you can get your Tonga toast there. So if you wanna, if you've seen the Tonga toast on Instagram and you wanna mm-hmm. try it, but you don't wanna do the sit down because of the time and you know the extra cost yeah, for yeah. fortuity and and you know, they do kind of increase the price a little bit. Um, they yep. do have, I think they also have a raspberry compote that comes with it. Don't quote me on that, but I know that I've gotten it there in the restaurant where that mm-hmm. doesn't come with it in the quick service. But anyway, it's the same feel, same vibe. Um, and it's pretty good. I don't know. I mean, you can't really go wrong with the big kahuna platter there where it's got like the eggs and the biscuit right. and bacon or sausage Mickey or whatever waffles. it is. The Mickey waffles. Yes. So that kind of thing is what you can expect there at Captain Cook's. You said you have mm-hmm. not eaten at Kona Cafe, right? Um, I have not eaten in there okay. yet, no. Um, there happens to not really be anything I like on the dinner menu. They are known for their sushi. People rave about the different mm. sushi options at Kona. Um, that happens to not be something that I enjoy, but if that is something you enjoy, I will say based on what others have told me, head out to Kona Cafe, try out your sushi there. But I've had lunch there a bunch of times. The burger there is like kind of okay. It has like this big crisp cheese on it, which is like pretty interesting, but it was just okay. Huh. Um, the turkey sandwich yeah. is also kind of just okay. But... Their Kona chicken stir fry, I thought was awesome. It's got mm. the yakisoba noodles, cabbage, carrots, and a teriyaki sauce. I just thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah. We actually had our pre-wedding day meal there. So I guess like 
in a traditional sense, you could call it the rehearsal dinner, but it was a lunch and there is no rehearsal because there wasn't, yeah. we didn't rehearse anything, but it was basically all of our family that was there that at that moment, um, some were flying in later that night. Um, and we had a lunch there at Kona cafe and someone must have said something to our server without me and Nicole knowing, and they brought over a big giant platter. And I do mean a big platter of chocolate covered strawberries. And it said, congratulations, oh. Greg and Nicole. And it had our date on it and stuff. And it was awesome. So, cool. so like whenever yeah. we walk by there, I always have that like little memory of, of how it was there. And, and it was really cool. And uh, I'm a sucker for chocolate covered strawberries though, by the way. So like mm. they oh, knew. Duly noted. That's weird. That's weird. Like if someone got that for you, that's not your wife, but okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily equate chocolate covered strawberries as romantic, but yeah. um, I do make love to them. So maybe it is. So um, Valentine's and... day is just around the corner. I know. And we'll be talking about some Valentine's day treats across property coming up in our news nuggets. And a lot of mm -hmm. it, spoiler is chocolate covered strawberries. So uh, mm -hmm. Pineapple and I have definitely gone to a bunch of times. Um, Nicole is a fan of the Dole Whip float with the vanilla soft serve. I'm not mm -hmm. a fan of the Dole Whip. I have nothing against it. I want everyone to enjoy the Dole Whip. It just happens to not be my thing. However, yeah. I will mention that sometimes the specialty Dole, Dole Whips that you see on Instagram that are sometimes available in the parks are available here or they'll have their own specialty Dole yeah. Whip here. So keep your eyes peeled um, at the Pineapple Lanai. And if you keep walking forward, you can see Cinderella Castle, which is awesome. Mm, yeah. um, let's talk about that, actually, because it's one of the best things about staying at a resort that is on Seven Seas Lagoon. So, of right. course, just like the contemporary, there are some standard and preferred views. Some of the views are, I mentioned, in the different types of room. You can get the lagoon view, the marina view, theme park view. If that's what you want, if you want a theme park view, if you want to be able to, you know, hop out of your bed in the morning, throw open the shades, and see Cinderella Castle... You're going to be paying for it, but you can absolutely do it. And if you've been saving up for it, I would say go for it. If you're trying to ball out or have like a, you know, a, a specialty occasion thing, then do it. Yeah. Get your, get your theme park view. If that's something you don't care about, if you're not planning on spending a lot of time on the balcony or in the room, then don't do it. Get your standard view. Don't worry about it. There really is no bad view. There's no bad room at a deluxe resort like this. I mean, the yeah. grounds are so nice. You're not going to get like a crappy view. That's my personal opinion. However, I will say if you do get a theme park view or a lagoon view, you probably can still see the park. I mean, like a lagoon view right. without being able to see Magic Kingdom. There's not a lot of those rooms. Yeah, that was going to be my question when you said that. I'm like, what's the difference? Because you if you can see the lagoon, you should be able to see It the depends park. on which way the room is facing. So like if you're in a building that kind of faces Grand Floridian, you probably can't see Cinderella Castle. Okay. You can see like the edge of the water. And then, but by the way, looking, opening your shades and seeing the Grand Floridian, it's still a pretty good view, right? I mean, it's not, right, it may right. not be theme park, but it's beautiful. And then obviously because the um, buildings are rectangular, some of them face out over the marina um, and face the other building, but you'd really have to like turn your head out and like crane it to see maybe yeah. a little bit yeah. of Magic Kingdom. So um, there's probably quite a bit of overlap when you're in a lagoon view that you can probably still see a bit of the park. Mm -hmm. However, with the lagoon view, marina view, and theme park view, you can see the electrical water pageant at night and probably the fireworks because those happen obviously more in the sky than just over Cinderella Castle. Obviously, yeah. with that comes the sound of the water pageant and the sound of the fireworks. When you're that close to a park, you're going to hear it at night. Close the doors. Obviously, it, it muffles the sound quite a bit, but you'll definitely hear them. Um, if you're a very light sleeper or if you have kids who are very light sleepers, just keep that in mind. Um, if you do want to stay here and you don't want to deal with the water pageant sound or you want to minimize it, just, I guess, ask for a room that's the most inset into the resort property, which is going to be a standard view, I think. I don't think you can get 
a lagoon or a marina view and be like far away from all that. Obviously, it's they're right. right there. Some other random things that I've dealt with. Oh, you know what? So this is a Seven Seas Lagoon Resort, which means you have access to the monorail. And I consider that both a pro and a con in terms of it being pros and cons. The pro, obviously, is that you have pretty easy access to the park. But the reason why it's a con to me is that if you're doing it at a peak travel time, either in the morning, especially mm. at night when you're leaving Magic Kingdom and you're trying to come back to your resort, um, although the line is usually and should always be shorter than the express monorail, there really is no policing of that line. They're not checking to make sure you're a resort guest. So a lot of guests right. do get on the resort line you are uh, three stops away, so it's Contemporary Ticket Transportation Center in Polynesian. By the way, yes, right now the monorail station at Polynesian is down for refurbishment, but later on in life when it reopens, it'll be the third stop. So if you do want to take the monorail back, you're going to be waiting on a line, and there is no walk option. I mean, technically, there is no barrier to stop you from walking from the Magic Kingdom through the Polynesian, I'm sorry, through the Grand Floridian to the Polynesian, but man, is that a walk. I would yeah, not, wouldn't walk. recommend that unless you absolutely have to. So it's tough. So maybe I'm just a little bit of a diva and don't like waiting to get back to my resort because, you know, you have a yeah. long day. Well, I mean, it, when you're paying that much, you kind of like that's supposed to be a perk, right? Yes. Like, to... And there have been times when I've stayed at the Polynesian and they were doing reduced hours for the monorail in the lighter seasons and the monorail wasn't open. So it wasn't operating until I think like 11 a.m. that day. So the only way to get from the Polynesian to the Magic Kingdom was to either take the boat or the ferry. By boat, I mean like the smaller boat, right. the boat launch that's out on the marina. Or obviously right. the much larger ferry, which is carrying guests from the parking lot there, the Ticket Transportation Center, which, by the way, has a line because it's the only way they can get there since yeah. the monorail wasn't operating. So just keep that in mind. No reasonable walking option. You're subject to the crowds. But if you're going midday or like at a not peak time, the monorail is obviously a great option. Yeah. Well, one thing that I wanted to point out too is that you can watch the fireworks for Happily Ever After on the beach. And they do play the music over there, don't they? They absolutely do. That's on my yeah. list of uh, some pros here is yes, you absolutely can hang out on the beach. The beach is pretty big. So you don't all have to kind of crowd in one spot. They do pipe the music in for Happily Ever After. Um, I don't know if they do it for all specialty fireworks. Like the, I, I believe they do it for the Christmas and Halloween parties. They didn't do it for oh. 4th of July. And I know I've talked about a couple of episodes where we had our, our incident where we're making people unhappy <laughs> while we were standing yeah. around photographing the 4th of July fireworks. But I've done it in a couple of years in a row. And it's a cool experience to get mm-hmm. a firework uh, viewing that's not within a park. So definitely would recommend. Again, this yeah. is later on post-COVID when they've resumed fireworks. It's kind of a cool thing to watch from afar. Um, there at the beach and it's like you know it's a nice beach the nice white sand beaches I know. yeah speaking of the beaches they are a great little place to relax you do kind of get that tropical hideaway vacation vibe so just kind of mm-hmm. picture this you're on a you're on a swing uh right there on a white sandy beach you're taking a look around you kind of hear like the waves the very 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 light waves crashing in to the the shore there you've got the back scratcher drink in your hand that you got or maybe the uh-oh that you, that you walked away with from the trader sam's tiki terrace and you're just kind of enjoying and you're listening to the polynesian background music that sounds like this (laughs) 
love it. It's an it's a nice vibe there. Obviously, the the music there really puts you in the mood. Oh yeah, for um, sure. I will say that. So we've stayed at this resort. Nicole and I are really big fans of the contemporary. You probably figured that out when you heard our episode the a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago. We did our first one on the on the. Uh, first Disney Resort rundown episode. So even though we've stayed at the Polynesian, we've never actually used the pool at the Polynesian. We just took the monorail and over to the Contemporary and went into that pool the, yeah. the times that we've stayed here. So, um, which is not to say there's anything wrong with the pool. There was, there's nothing. It's a nice pool with a nice big slide, a nice big lava cave, if you will. Like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But we just, I'm just at home in the Contemporary. So I have to point that out. There was one time we were hanging out in the lobby. We weren't even staying there. We just were walking around the lobby doing whatever. And I looked at Nicole and I was like, man, I'm kind of hungry. I can really like go for something, but I don't really feel like spending money or anything. I don't really know what I want. And sure enough, within like five minutes, a cast member comes by with a tray of warm cookies and is handing them out to guests. I'm like, you've got, she's like, you've got to like, be kidding yeah. me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she can't eat them because she's got a gluten allergy and they obviously were just regular old gluten cookies. So she's like, you've got to be mm-hmm. kidding me. I'm like, well, these are. She, so we have this standing rule whenever free food is offered, this applies to, but it's not limited to Costco. Um, whenever yeah. there's a free sample, she's her job is to get it and then give me it. So it's our unspoken <laughs> rule and is unfortunate for her she can't eat it. But like, I shouldn't be punished. If anything, let's milk this yeah, and let right. it, let's make it work for me. We've definitely obviously had plenty of Ohana meals for dinner. That's our go-to once it's reopened. That's our go-to anniversary dinner now that we live here. And we were traveling down here too every year that we got, um, every year after we got married. We did have a great breakfast there too. So don't forget about the Ohana breakfast. It's the same all you care to enjoy dining experience. And at the time you can meet Mickey, Lilo, and Stitch. And I want to say one of the characters, don't remember who it was, but for sure those three. And uh, it's awesome. So if that's something you're interested in and they do resume character dining experiences the way that mm-hmm. they were, Ohana Breakfast comes highly recommended from someone who has eaten it before. The last thing I want to mention is the smell of the lobby, which is a pretty big yes. deal to people, myself included. Big fan of the smells of certain lobbies of the resorts. And I was talking to Nicole, not my wife, Nicole, Nicole from Circa 1955, which is the Disney line of candles from the larger company, Luxaloon. By the way, this is not an ad. This is not sponsored. This has nothing yeah. to do with us promoting their product. Um, I, I'm bringing it up because I know she's got a developed sniffer that I don't have. So I thought, <laughs> let me go to an expert. I want to know a little bit more about what makes the scent of a lobby so strong and like, how do they do it? Cause I know they pipe right. uh, scents out and into the lobby, but like, to me, that's not enough. Cause you can get, right. you, they have um, at circa 1955, there is the spirit of Ohana candle, which captures the scent of the lobby pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I asked like, like, what is it? Like, how, do, how is it possible? And the conversation I was having with Nicole, and I don't want to get like super nerd scent, you know, conversation on you, but I just thought it was so interesting. Um, one thing that she was letting me know that one thing people tend to overlook is not just the scent that's being um, like piped into the room. It's how that scent interacts with the environment. So the environment includes, but is not limited to the water feature that obviously has a little bit of water in it. So you have that lingering Florida water scent that mixes with the scent that's piped in. Also, yeah. they change their floral arrangements based on season. So obviously in the um, holidays, they have the poin- poinsettias, I know some people mm-hmm. pronounce it poinsettia, but it is technically poinsettia. <laughs> and then in the spring, they have all kinds of like orchids, bro, bro, bromeliads. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm sorry, everybody. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. And the blooming birds of paradise, which we have on our little garden out here because they look very tropical. It reminds us of the yeah. Polynesian. So we, and we obviously live in Florida, so we can grow them here. So we have them out in our garden. Yeah. They're a little dead right now because it's about, I don't know, 50 or 45 degrees out. But generally speaking, they look really cool. 
So um, and talking about it, I was like, oh, this this makes sense. So it's not just the scent. So I guess buyer beware when you're out there getting your Polynesian lobby scents. Um, make sure you're getting them from a company that actually takes into into consideration the environment. Again, not an ad. I'm just a big fan, and I think the spirit of Ohana scent is awesome. So circa 1955. Again, not a sponsor, just fan. <laughs> Anyway, hashtag not an ad, not hosted. We don't get free stuff um, or anything. But I think that's everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah, Polynesian. that's a lot. Lots of good things to contemplate. The, the good old poly. Don't have to stay there. Just check it out. It's an experience in and of itself. And once everything's back opening, uh, once everything's back opened up, hopefully they resume their like fire stick twirling ceremony that they have every night to like close down the resort. Like there's a lot of stuff that happens there mm -hmm. um, that I think everyone will like. Speaking of the pineapple and I, though, before we get off the topic of the Polynesian, um, I made sure that I took my Disney snacks key fob with me. It's got a quick little mm -hmm. pick because obviously included in the Disney snacks design and the key fobs from Royal Traveler Trading is, of course, the Dole Whip. And you don't have to go to Magic Kingdom to get your Dole Whip. So if Disney snacks are your thing and you want to keep it on your keychain, uh, you can head over to World Traveler Trading Co., the link to these stories in the description of this episode. And of course you can use our special code that park life, that park life and save yourself some cash. We got a few news nugs today, don't we? Okay. The first one that I have is that the Disney water parks are reopening. So Disney's blizzard beach water park is going to be reopening on March 7th. Of 2021 they're getting ready for that so like i feel like normally that's really not that big of a deal but in this day and age it's a big deal so if you're not excited anyone out there is not excited to go to the water park i'm happy that some people get to go back to work or to get to go back to their original location oh, yeah, and get back to sure. making their magic over there at uh at blizz beach i actually know a couple here that that's where they met was both they both worked at yeah they both worked at the water park together and like now they're like married and they have like eight kids um but yeah, it's just interesting like here. They're like, yeah, we both were like basically got jobs. They were super young and that's where they met. The other small one that I have before I go into the other one is that the M&M store at Disney Springs is now open. I don't know if you saw this. They opened this past Saturday. Um, it is super cool looking in there. You can get all kinds of M&Ms. You can get mixed bags. You can get just one color if that's your thing. You can also customize. I saw this. You can customize your own M&Ms with like um, you can do a picture any picture you want, you can just do icons on them, whatever colors you want. It's crazy. They have this like whole machine thing. Um, I watched a video of somebody going through it and making their own M&M. So I told Doug that will be on the list for the next time we go down there because your girl loves a peanut M&M. Should we be getting that Parklife podcast M&Ms? Oh my gosh, that would be so fun. <gasps> I'm look they into are this. a little, they are a little pricey. Of course I will they tell are. you the the custom ones, mm -hmm. but they have like all kinds of stuff that you can get with that. Greg, I mean, if you want to send me some peanut M&Ms, I won't ever say no to that. Yeah, so. who would say no? And they have, like, theme stuff, too, for holidays. So, like, right now they have a bunch of Valentine's stuff going in there um, because it's Valentine's Day coming up. So it's something that will change, you know, throughout the year for depending on what's coming up. Speaking of cool. Valentine's Day, uh, let's talk about some of the food that's being offered. I'm going to give some highlights mm -hmm. of food across property. And there's actually quite a bit of food or treats, snacks, drinks that are going to be around property for Valentine's Day. Some of them I'm not going to mention, not because they're not cool. Some of them are one day only. 
And this time of our lives, I know that probably 99% of the people listening to this aren't going to be in Magic Kingdom or any of the parks specifically on Valentine's Day because not a lot of travel is yeah. happening. So I'm going to spare you, you with those. So for all two of you. <laughs> yes, for all two of you. So instead, I have some ones that are available for the most part the whole month, which I figure is okay. a, a larger, a larger uh, window of time for people to get in and get some of these things. Let's start over at Disney Springs. Amaretz has dipped strawberry bouquet. That's only for a week. That's February 7th and okay. the 14th. But yeah, a bouquet of chocolate-dipped strawberries. It looks really cool. Um, marketplace snacks, which I didn't even know was a thing that sold like specialty snacks ever. I feel like this is the first time okay. I've, I've noticed that, that this is one of those places on the list. They have the Valentine's Swirl. It's a Dole Whip strawberry and chocolate swirl soft serve ice cream with a chocolate-dipped strawberry garnish on it. See? That actually sounds like something I would get. That sounds life. good. I'm not like a chocolate yeah. ice cream fan, but with the strawberry ice cream mix in, like, hmm, now they're now they're yeah. they, they got pretty, something. Pretty much an all ice cream fan. <laughs> I haven't really met too many ice creams that I don't like. You so. don't discriminate. The Valentine's Swirl is available February 1st through the 20th, so the whole month of February you can get that at oh. Marketplace Snacks at Springs. Animal Kingdom has some good stuff. The mm. Creature Comforts. They always the... have good foods. Oh yeah. Animal Kingdom. People like forget about the Animal Kingdom, and it's like, ooh, but they got lots of good food. They got the good food. So at Creature Comforts, aka Starbucks, for the whole month of February, technically through March 1st, their Valentine's cupcake is a chocolate cake, cherry filling, vanilla frosting with a chocolate zebra striped heart. Looks kind of cool. Of course, they throw the zebra heart on there because it is Animal Kingdom. At Restaurantosaurus and Flame Tree Barbecue, same time frame now through March 1st, their Valentine's cupcake is chocolate cake, milk chocolate filling vanilla buttercream and a simba and nala chocolate coin and this is the one i would get yeah that's the one i probably yeah. would try out so yes i didn't mention a lot of the desserts but some of them some of them legit are just available valentine's day only and some of them are at yeah. a sit-down restaurant so good luck getting a restaurant reservation if you're even here yeah, in disney world and you're probably and you're probably not here in, on that day so yeah. you can take a look on the disney parks blog if you want to see the full list but i think those are the highlights and the most the more attainable items in the list yeah the last one I'm going to cover, guys, is the changes to Disney's Jungle Cruise. So this actually, they actually dropped this video like while we were recording last week, so we didn't cover it. But I was like, we'll cover it today. More stuff has come out. Um, so I'm just going to kind of read you some of this stuff that explains basically what's going to happen. At Disney Parks, we continue to look for ways to enhance classic attractions and elevate the experience for all of our guests. Today, we're excited to uh, to share that we are building on the story of the Jungle Cruise at both Disneyland Park and Disneyland Resort and Magic Kingdom Park at Walt Disney World Resort. To include new adventures that stay true to the experience we know and love, more humor, wildlife, and skipper heart, and also reflect and value the diversity of the world around us. So this comes from Kevin Lively. He's actually a Disney Imagineer, and he used to be a Jungle Cruise skipper. Um, if you've seen the video that Disney's put out, this is like basically the guy that talks in the video. Um, so he says, as part of the story update, we'll get into the we'll get to follow a skipper and his passengers as their journey goes awry. That's right. For the first time ever, the skipper role will not only be that of a live experience and witty guide, but also represented by a show figure within the attraction itself. In fact, the expedition will be up a tree, literally, after their sunken boat splits apart and chimps aboard the wreckage with monkey business ensuing. He said, but that's not even half of the full story. Or sorry, he says whole story. Haha. <laughs> Fan of the Jungle Cruise attraction may recall some boats that used to make their way around the river, but haven't been seen for a while, specifically the Mekong Maiden. And the Quango Kate. He said, ever wonder what happened to them? Well, you might go ape when you find out. Ultimately, the jungle gets the last laugh. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love that 
the storyline in the new version, the reimagined version of this attraction is about the ride. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah, about yeah. how a skipper's journey went awry. Like I think that's more interesting to me than it being about people who used to live in a land that we're taking over. And not that I'm trying to be oversensitive to anything. I just think like, well, that makes so much more sense. I feel like it should have always been about another skipper. Um, I think that this is going to be a good update. Personally, they're not changing the whole thing. Like, I think that would just really make people mad. But the question that I did ask, because there are some things that they are getting rid of. And I think I did, I think I did read somewhere that like, they're planning to get rid of Trader Sam. Like Trader Sam's going to be taken out. I don't know whether or not like Disney has actually said that, but I, pretty sure they are taking him out and i'm like if that's the case what does that mean for trader sam's as far as what i hope then is that the drink that trader sam's grog grotto gets that it's not an animatronic because it doesn't move but gets that like oh, figure yeah. i think that would be cool yeah. if they could somehow bring it in because they don't have to highlight the headhunter territory right like we don't have to assume yeah. that indigenous people are all headhunters but they can just yeah talk about trader sam they don't have to talk about how he was uh you know trading heads yeah like i'm like he kind of needs a rebrand instead of um working on trades about heads perhaps he would be trading a skipper for like i don't know keys to a boat or like to getting his like old boat back even, or honestly, something it could even be like liquor bottles i mean you yeah. know what i mean like it could just be like alcohol do it do it up. i don't know so i'm interested to see what they're going to do but i'm kind of excited yeah. i think this is going to be um a good upgrade me too yeah all right i want to go back in time for some Disney history. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Neither. She just wants to listen to the music. Okay. I'll go first. By the way, now that we're recording video, people will see us dancing to these songs now. That's true. It's sad, really. But anyway. I can't say it's going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going, I'm taking us back all the way to 1972. Uh, Disney World's first price increase took effect. So they didn't wait long to increase the price. The general admission for adults um, at opening was 350, and they upped it to 375 at the time. Um, and then it says a rise in ticket books followed a few months later. Hmm. So I mean, this hasn't happened yet, like in the time frame. But they went from 450 to 495. So that was the first increase. So if you're wondering how long has Disney been increasing their prices, and it's from day one. Yeah. Um, so I looked up the like what was. What was 350 back in 1972? Yeah. Um, and it was worth so 350 in 1972 was worth $22.90. Wow. So. A little there different. There you go, inflation. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's far more to do in Magic Kingdom now versus then. Yeah, that's them. true. That's true. Um, let's go to 2003. This week in that year, 18 years ago, the Diamond Horseshoe Review closed their saloon doors. Uh, with their last performance. I don't know that I've ever seen this. So this actually mm. was an original show from 1971. The Magic Kingdom opened up. It was a one-hour Western saloon review that had can-can dancers, singers, a live band, a comedian on certain nights. It kind of sounds like Hoop-dee-doo review. Um, yeah. it, would, it did close in 2003. It was replaced by Goofy's Country Dance and Jamboree. And then eventually it was like redone again to just be like a sandwich shop or something and now it's none of those things but yeah I, in 2003 i feel like that's when i was like old enough to know what was going on in disney and i don't i don't remember yeah. the show i definitely I gonna, didn't see um, it i was actually going to thank you for reminding me that i'm slowly approaching my 20-year high school reunion oh goodness <laughs> the i year... graduated in 2003 oh, everybody okay so old and you so were like 18 old. years ago and i was like oh god oh, i graduated gosh. high school 18 years ago i feel so old I feel so old 
Um, I, of course, have a quote to end our episode today as usual. If you do want to keep up with what we're doing in and out of the parks, our Instagram account is at That Park Life Podcast. My personal account is at The Disney Greg. My personal account is at The Healthy Hot Mess. I will say I've been loving the reviews that have been coming in on our uh, on iTunes and stuff. Yeah, thank you guys for such your, your kind words. We greatly appreciate that, especially this day and age. A kind word goes a long way. And I'm really glad you love all my singing. I'm going to continue to do that. I really didn't do much of that today, so I apologize. But don't worry. I will have I have plenty up my sleeve. Yeah, be aware, people who are saying nice things about <laughs> Beth singing. That means we're going to get more Every of it. Time. Every time someone says they like it, it's going to be more. It I'm just, just adds it. My goodness. So if you wouldn't mind heading out to uh, iTunes or whatever platform you listen to this podcast, leave us a review there. Just, uh, you know, lets us be a little higher in the Disney podcast rankings. Um, if mm-hmm. you want to support what we do and be the reason why we get to do things like upgrade our equipment and whatnot and get some bonus content, we do weekly bonus episodes on our Patreon page. You can see the link in this episode description as well. All right. Yeah. I, will, I will leave us today with a quote from Walt himself. Um, of course, I'm talking about Walter White from Breaking Bad. Um, Walt, <laughs> Walter Elias Disney once said, we keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things. Because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And that exact uh, quote's probably leading to things like reimagining Splash Mountain, Jungle Cruise, the Polynesian Lobby like we talked about today. Yep. All right, well, we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Have a good week.